This is Feed, Play, Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. Anxiety. If you've experienced it before, it's something more intense than just butterflies in your tummy. The Raising Children Network estimates that between 8 to 22% of children experience anxiety in this way. That is, more intensely than just being worried or a bit nervous. But what is it exactly and how can you tell if your child is experiencing it? Karen Young is a psychologist and blogger at Hey Sigmund. Hi Karen, how are you? Hi, well thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, if people have experienced anxiety, they don't really need a description, but For those who haven't, it can be very difficult to understand. How would you describe anxiety? So it can be really difficult to understand because there often isn't a really clear trigger. It can just come out of the blue. It's important to realize that anxiety is a really normal response to something dangerous or stressful, but that is perceived. So it doesn't necessarily mean there is something dangerous or stressful there. What anxiety is, is it's a part of your brain that is designed to sense threat and it's there to keep us alive and been doing it since we lived in caves and it, and it does its job beautifully, but sometimes it gets a bit overreactive and a bit overprotective. And when it senses threat or something dangerous, it will trigger a response in our body to get us ready to fight the threat or to run from it. So that's called fight or flight and people have probably heard of that. It's actually, it's a physical response. People feel it in their body. So it's not just, you know, anxious thoughts. It comes with that, but it is a real physical response and it's a physical response that feels awful. And do you think that sometimes people get confused about how dreadful it can feel for people because for so long we've used the word anxiety to describe things like nervousness and worry and so they get it mixed up in their brain they think well it's just worry but it really is a term to describe what is a mental illness essentially absolutely and it does and it's like anything you know anything in in psychology it all exists on a spectrum and so we I mean, it it is a really normal, normal response and we have all experienced it on some level. You know, if you're going for a job interview or an exam or, you know, something like that, we've all had those butterflies or maybe a bit clammy or a racy heart. But people who experience anxiety where it gets in the way experience it all the time and the symptoms are bigger than than what they would feel for most of us. And sometimes they just happen for no reason at all. What happens is it because the physical symptoms feel so bad, people get anxious about the anxiety. So it's not even, you know, worried about a thing. It's worried about that horrible feeling that they get that comes from nowhere and what if it happens. And so that's what's so awful about it. But you're right, because it's been used so commonly it is really hard to understand how it can get in the way and how it can stop people, but it does. It's, it is. It's an awful feeling. And I've heard that if you have anxiety as an adult, it's more likely that your child will get it. And as someone who has experienced anxiety, that makes me feel anxious because I think, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't want my children to feel that oh way. I mean, is that a genetic thing or is it because um, anxious people can verbalise their worries? I mean, 
Do you know what that connection is? It's it's likely to be both. So that's what they're thinking. It's likely to be genetically a bit more vulnerable to having that threat part of your brain triggered more easily. And it's experience, it's environment as well. So it's nature and nurture. Because if you are being parented by somebody who is a bit anxious, you are more likely to, you know, take on that view of the world and and the genetic, your, your, your genes that make you a little bit more like that actually get supported. So you develop, you know, that tendency anyway. So it's both. But brains can change. That's the thing. That's the thing that is really important for people to realise and kids to realise. And genes aren't destiny and environment's not destiny. Brains can change. And, and we've learnt that in the last 10 years. We used to think brains used to stay the same. But what we know for sure is by doing things, we can actually change our brain so you can soothe that part of your brain that, that senses threat and, and, you know, strengthen yourself against anxiety. For both parents and kids, which is good mm. to know. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and we're speaking with psychologist and blogger at Hay Sigmund, Karen Young, about anxiety. And in particular, we're interested in anxiety in children. Karen, another thing that I've read about anxiety is that it often happens to people who are quite empathetic. I think, oh, well, how would I notice, how would I know if my daughter or my son is actually feeling anxious in the way that you described it earlier? Do you think we need to keep an eye out on our children if we know they're quite empathetic? Yes, because it can happen. I mean, the thing about anxiety is it's often the things that... The things that we don't want have strengths built into them, and anxiety does. Anxiety, you know, people who have anxiety have all of these strengths built into them. They're often, researchers found they're more creative, they're more empathic, you know, they're very socially smart. So probably the first thing, it's being aware of the signs. So it's headaches that seem to come from nowhere or or all the time on the way to school or tummy aches or, you know, trouble sleeping or not feeling like eating or just worried. They'll say, you know, I just, I don't know why that I just feel scared or I don't know why but I'm just worried and I really don't want to go, that sort of thing. So that's a thing to watch out for. They'll usually tell you, but they won't say they feel anxious because, you know, they don't have, that's probably not a word that would be in their vocabulary, but they'll tell you that they have, that they feel funny in the tummy or that they, you know, have a headache or that their heart's beating too quick or that they're just worried or they might burst into tears, that sort of thing. So that's the sort of thing to watch out for. So if they are really sensitive kids, yeah, you know, it might be something that if you're getting lots of tummy aches or, you know, lots of resistance, it might be one of the things to think about. And I guess uh, kids have triggers just like parents do so, or adults do. So um, I've read before that big change can bring on yeah. anxiety for people. Yeah, because anything unfamiliar will easily trigger a fight or flight response. A good way to think of it is it's like a smoke alarm in the kitchen when your um, toast gets burnt and it'll just go off. It won't care if it's a real danger or not. It'll just go off when there's something new when there's smoke that shouldn't be there or smoke that isn't usually there it'll go off and it just does that to get you out of there it doesn't care whether it's really dangerous or whether it's you know it doesn't matter smoke from a fire smoke from burnt toast doesn't care anxiety is the same so when there's something unfamiliar 
that part of the brain will be going, hang on, this is new and this is big and this doesn't usually happen. We've either got to fight it or we've got to run from it because this is trouble. And so that's what happens. So anything unfamiliar can really stir that up. So how can we talk to our kids about anxiety? Say we we think we've recognised it in them. How do you start to talk to them about it to help them cope? I think one of the most important things for kids is to let them know that you understand and that what they're feeling is actually really normal. They need to know they're not different. Kids just want to know they're not different to the rest of the world. So saying things like, I understand how you're feeling. Did you know lots of kids and lots of grown-ups get it? And I want to talk to you about what's happening. It's really tempting to say, oh, there's nothing to worry about, or oh, you'll be fine. But what that does is that can actually make it worse because it can make them feel like you're missing something, like you actually don't understand what's going on. You don't get it. And what they need to know is that you've got this and and you're with them and you understand exactly what they're going through and it's all normal. So I think the most powerful thing to do, and again, it depends on their age, but if they're verbal enough, is to actually explain where the physical things that they're feeling where they come from because those physical feelings are really scary. They're scary for grown-ups. They're really scary for kids. And it's just about giving that a context so when they feel them, when they feel those things, they know that they're not about to die. They know that it's all okay. Their, their brain's just doing what brains do. And then that can start to calm them down and then you know there are things you can do after that. So when you say there are things that you can do, are there actual activities or or stories or things you can talk to children about that will help them learn how to not be so frightened by it or how to calm down Mm. once they've had an an anxiety attack? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing is breathing. And anyone who's had anxiety who has been told to just breathe, probably (laughs) sitting there going, seriously, you don't want to do that. But (laughs) but that's because it's missing the reason why. And kids need to know, and we all need to know why we're doing something. So the thing about breathing is anxiety happens. The physical feelings of anxiety happen because one of the first things that happens to your body is you start doing short, sharp breaths to conserve oxygen, to send it to your muscles for fight or flight. And that's all a really normal response. But what happens is it knocks out the balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide. And that's what brings on all the food. So all the physical symptoms kind of waterfall from there. So once you get your breathing back under control, it actually neutralizes the, you know, all the chemicals that are surging through you that are getting you strong, fast and powerful. Breathing actually reverses that. It was actually discovered by a Harvard cardiologist. So it's got some grunt, so it really does work. But the problem is for kids, they have to practice when they're not anxious because when they're anxious, it's really hard to find, you know, calm, strong breathing. It won't be there. So the more they practice, the more it will, you know, strengthen that connection in their brain, which will let them access it when they're actually anxious. And and it's really just um, talking them through it. So in for three, hold it, out for three. 
there are things, um, one thing that, one thing my daughter really liked when she was going through this was, if you imagine the infinity sign, and at night I would, um, you know, on her arm, I would trace over it with my finger. And so you do the left side of the infinity sign for three, stop in the middle for one, and then they breathe out as you trace the right side for three. So they've got something physical to anchor it to. Another one you can do is put a, for younger kids, because the breaths have to be in their belly, so they have to be strong and, and solid breaths, not just in their chest. And if you can get them to lie down and put a toy on their belly and get them to breathe in for three, they can watch the toy move up and down, and that's how you know their breathing is, is deep and strong. And again, it's something physical to anchor it to. And another one is imagining that they have a mug of hot chocolate and get them to sniff the hot chocolate for three in and hold it and then blow it cool for three. So all of those things, you know, you can turn it into a game for them. But every time they do it, if they practice it every day, then when they're actually anxious, you've got an anchor. So you can actually, you know, you can you can touch them with the infinity sign. You can say, you know, where's your hot chocolate? Remember your breaths. And one of the ways that I talk to kids about it is it makes you the boss of your brain again because your brain is, you know, in anxiety. It's actually um, taking control and making your body do all this stuff. But it's trying to keep you safe. So it's really important to say it's actually trying to look after you. It just wants to know you're okay. So breathing lets it know that you're okay. It's kind of like saying, you know, we're okay here. You can relax now. We don't need to run. We don't need to fight. Let's just chill. And, and breathing is a way to let your brain know that. So there are a few things that you can do. Oh, they're fabulous tips. Karen, thank you so much for speaking with us this afternoon. That's okay. Thank you. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.